Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. But it's a Sunday evening. We've got a bunch of recruiting uh, recap to give after eight official visitors made their way to Tallahassee. One gentleman who was in Gainesville committed to Florida State, which is hilarious, and we'll have a good time talking about that. Uh, so predominant recruiting conversation here. At the end of the podcast, we will touch briefly on the new baseball coach and that information being uh, formalized and, and made public and what we can extract from that. But, uh, Bud, eager as always to lean on your recruiting expertise and uh, to jump in as to where Florida State stands after a, a big recruiting weekend in June. Yeah, man. Uh, the last uh, weekend in June, you could have official visitors before the dead period hits. Of course, you can have visitors again at the end of July, but uh, very excited to be talking to you here. And shout out, of course, to Tarpon Sellers, Louisiana Hot Sauce for us. Um, Let's just go right off the jump. I think two years ago was the first time I saw Rod Kearney and came back and we talked about it on this show that there's a really, really nice looking offensive lineman out of Jacksonville. If he grows more, maybe he's a tackle. If not, he's probably an interior guy. But uh, guess what? Alex Atkins got him. Highest rated player in their class. Really nice prospect guy who I think likely could play early at the college level. Great base, good balance. He can redirect. He has active, violent hands. Pretty smart kid, academically focused. You know, family likes FSU and, and Alex Atkins a whole lot. And, uh, dude, offensive lineman committed to a program that just went five and seven. <laughs> it's because of Atkins. Oh, right? it is because like of Atkins. I mean, yeah. I, we've, we've talked about it before. Atkins is just exceptional. I mean, well, obviously, you got to get the kid's signature ultimately, but this conversation will be reflective of him committing and us operating on the assumption that uh, ultimately signs with you, it would just be massive. I mean, we talked two years ago. I talked uh, to the point where I got tired of saying it, but I was going to define that class as to whether or not you got Rod Orr. Not because I thought Rod Orr was going to be a three-year starter for you or something, but it was just a first step forward in fully addressing the offensive line and starting to put quality pieces on it. It's a numbers game, and you've got to start to hit your numbers. And when you combine what you did last year with guys like Armella and Early and some of the other nice offensive line pieces that you got. Uh, Quayshon Chap, a little bit more of a project there. But uh, you got some nice pieces that you can work with and getting Woody on campus, whether he be uh, whatever line of the scrimmage. Uh, it's just massive. And you've got an offensive line coach that is uh, now also having the title coordinator, but clearly identifying himself as one of the kind of rising stars of the coaching game. And uh, he's doing a hell of a job recruiting. And we'll have time to talk all about <laughs> records and if you get retained, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think a lot of people realize at Florida State that you've got a coach that uh, it only takes so many of these guys to start to be able to win 75, 80% of your conference games, right? This is not a conference in which other schools that you play can really stockpile difference makers on the line of scrimmage. There's some notable exceptions, but for the vast majority, uh, it's just not there. And if you get enough great pieces on the offensive and defensive line, you can turn this thing around. And that certainly is is happening, uh, and particularly happening on the offensive line. And, and Roger Kearney is a massive, massive step in that direction. I, I also like that he's an athlete. You know, he, he does those shot put. Uh, I I just like this guy because his, his balance is really good, man. And, and I, that, that's something I, re- I look for in offensive linemen. Do do you get crossed up? Can, can you keep your center of gravity between your two feet so you don't you don't get tossed and it allows you to keep driving people out of the way uh, I, I think especially if he can snap if this guy can snap uh, then I think he's a 
multi-year starter and and a potentially a if he can actually like be a competent snapper of the football, if you can play a guy like this at center, it's a really big deal. It's almost uh, we talk about sometimes playing up the, up the defensive spectrum, right, or or, or down the defensive spectrum because it, it, it qualifies more so for defense. Like Mario Edwards Jr. was a guy uh, who could play up the defensive spectrum. So he's defensive tackle body, but he had just enough athleticism to play defensive end. That's the kind of thing we're talking about here. If you can put a guy like this in at center, because he's a legit 300-pounder you know, at what six, three and a quarter, or whatever he is. Um, but I think he also potentially, he wouldn't want to start him at tackle as an ideal plan. But I do think, similar to Darius Washington, I've seen this guy move. I've, I've seen him play. I've been on him for two years. Uh, I think that in a pinch, he probably could play uh, some tackle for you just because he has the feet. Like, I don't think he would get crushed out there against all but the very best of opponents. And so it's really nice to have guys like that uh, on a roster who, let's say you do get some injuries. That never happens to offensive linemen, right? If you did have that, have that happen, you get you get that going on you slide him out there for a game or two and you don't lose the game because you have a, a crazy situation there. The same, honestly, I know we'll talk about it a little bit, but I think DJ Chester who profiles more as an inside guy. I, I think Atkins and company think he could potentially play some tackle in a pinch as well, but a really nice job of beating out a number of sec teams for Rod Kearney. This is a, a huge get for the Knowles. and something like you guys should generally like genuinely be excited about. We, we don't try to do a whole lot of fake excitement here. If things aren't going well, you guys know us. Uh, we don't. We don't tell you. We, we don't. We don't be asking you with that. Yeah, this guy's a good player. If he can snap, he's a Sunday guy, and he's a, he's yeah. a you know he's an eight year Sunday guy. And I don't you know look the older I get, the least uh, the little and smaller level of interest that I have in following these kids on social media and stuff like that. But Kearney's always out working on things. Always posted videos to Instagram of him working on his footwork or whatever else. You've got. I know it's a, it's a lame term, but you've got a student of the game with some really nice physical tools, and uh, you you hit a you hit a home run with this one. Like like you just said, Bud, we're not one to uh, to pump fake praise, but this is a massive get. And and hey, let's let's go there, Bud. The way you got it, you, I mean, the kid all but you know took off his UF hat as he was walking out of the parking lot, coming off of a Florida official visit, and jumped on Twitter and committed to you. And I don't know if that was you know, pre-planned or if he just got to the point in his, he'd seen enough that he decided to to make his decision. But uh, it, it never hurts to uh, to grab one from the, the guys over on the uh, in Gainesville. And, you know, if there's that new staff smell, it certainly isn't translating to what's going on in Gainesville right now. I mean, we're the Noel cast. We talk about Florida State football 95% of the time. But I, I think we almost have to acknowledge that you know, it, it is not exactly firing on all cylinders in the first couple months of the uh, of the Napier era. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, we can go into this. So Jaden Rashada, big-time quarterback from California, also commits to Miami today. And Rod Kearney, which Florida fans were really hoping slash thinking they were going to get him. Rod Kearney, UF fans are like, hey, we have two offensive line coaches now. We have new coach smell. And that, that's all true. And – I mean, dude, unless he's got a helicopter, he wasn't much off campus by the time he he posted this this commitment, right? I, I'd have to think just based on on the timelines of, of of when some of the some of the stuff on social was going up, and then boom, Rod Kearney just wanted to get it done. 
Well, and we're ever so glad that he did. We'll continue to talk about Kearney as a prospect, uh, but you know, first uh, ten minutes or so of this podcast are appropriately so a celebration of a of a massive commitment and certainly a nice shot into the to an arm uh, of a class that at least needs it publicly. So a great get. Hats off to uh, Norvell and uh, everybody else that played a role, and and obviously Alex Atkins continues. Uh, to back up his reputation as as one of the premier recruiters in the game right now. Uh, another guy that he is premier recruiting is Lucas Simmons, who was on campus. And Lucas Simmons goes to CAI. That's Clearwater Academy International, obviously down in Clearwater. Another top 150 prospect in the country. A very promising offensive tackle. You know, six foot six, maybe six foot seven, 300 pounds. Pretty athletic. Uh, Still has room to fill out that frame more. I, th- I think he could ultimately play at 320 or 325. Uh, folks are from Sweden, so very interesting to see where he where he goes. Right, he, he took official visits to uh, what? Where did he go? He went to UF. He went to FSU. He went to Tennessee, USC. Obviously, some of those are, are major players in the NIL game as well. Uh, but again, I, I do think Alex Atkins here has done a tremendous job with this relationship. And, and I believe that FSU feels, I haven't talked to me over there. He's like, yeah, he's a silent, he's coming or like that. But I, I do talk to people over there who feel like they're in a really good position for Lucas Simmons and that they'd love to be able to close that thing out and get him. And if you had an offensive line class of, of you know, Rod Kearney, Lucas Simmons, and, and maybe DJ Chester, that's doing something, man. That's like, doing that's, something. That's yeah. that's taking steps necessary to be one of the more dominant uh, teams in the conference along the line of scrimmage. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm telling you here, like you can tell which of these coaches on staff are worth a damn in recruiting yeah. and which aren't. Like, There's this guy who I knew a long time ago who used to say recruiters recruit, and uh, that that continues to be true. I mean, the, the guys who are in it, I didn't mean to cut you off there, bud, but the guys no, that no, are no, in no, it, no. the guys that breathe it, the guys that do it, it's real clear as to who they are. It's also clear like you had one linebacker come to elite camp. <laughs> like Alex Atkins is not taking a big room this year. And yet he's still pounding the phones, pounding the text messages, hitting these guys up, making connections with them, developing backup plans, getting those backup plans on campus. We had loaded groups there this year at FSU Elite Camp on the offensive line. A lot of those kids aren't takes right now. But if they blow up later and you didn't do your job getting them on campus – may not be in the driver's seat for him. You know, there's some positions out there where the rooms look a little bit better uh, at those camps than the other spots did. So we'll have to see with Lucas Simmons. Uh, obviously, USC needs you know, needs him quite a bit. Uh, I think Tennessee also is in desperate need for offensive linemen. We'll have to see what, what Florida does. They just missed out on Rashada, as we noted, and Kearney. And so maybe, maybe there's some uh, need to really reach down and get your best fastball going, right? Uh, just re- reach back for a little more. We'll have to see on that. I, I'm interested to see exactly when he's going to commit, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch to watch what happens here, man. Where do you we want go to talk, QB Dominoes? Yeah, why well, don't? I guess we, it's we, only it's only natural, right? We had uh, we've referenced the the large piece that moved earlier uh, in committing to Miami uh, in Rashada, the uh, California prospect there who. It more or less came down to Florida and Miami. I know Texas A&M was somebody that we had talked in the hypothetical 10 days ago or so, but it you know, it seemed to really be a two-team race, at least from from my perspective there. Uh, Rashada chooses Miami. 
we'll have to see what this means as far as the dominoes falling and what the impact on Emory Williams is, uh, et cetera. But, well, Williams committed as well, did he not? Uh, Emory Williams did commit to Miami. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So they, they, they went ahead both. and took both. Uh, well, I mean, that's a tip of the hat to them. It's a good job of uh, convincing two guys to get in the boat and having an honest conversation with one of them about uh, what it meant by taking the other. So, uh, but those are two dominoes, one pretty large piece and uh, why don't we go ahead and talk about what it might mean for Florida State, being that they had uh, Parson on campus, and then you know maybe maybe Brock Glenn of the Collins Glenn conversation is the one that they uh, might feel that they're having a slight bit more traction with currently. Yeah, so uh, we did talk in that last episode. Where where do you want to see Jaden Rashada go? If you're a Knowles fan, um, we thought Miami because they who knows if Emory Williams would, would go there or whether that would stick. Uh, as of now, it looks like it is sticking. We'll have to see about that. But also, how high on Emory Williams was FSU? I think Emory Williams could probably play pretty well. But other people like me more than I do, and some people don't like him very much at all. Uh, that's a very interesting one. By the way, Jeremy Crabtree uh, tonight reporting that multiple sources said uh, uh, Rashada went for $9.5 million and that they actually turned down Florida's Gator Collective for $11 million. That's, again, per Jeremy Crabtree. And uh, uh, the agent for Rashada uh, basically said, like, you know, Florida offered more, but, uh, quote, it's pretty wild. This is uh, Caspino, the, the big NIL attorney there in California, because you can do NIL deals with kids in California right now without penalty from California state law. Quote, Florida is the most dysfunctional collective in all of college football, Caspino said. I plan on steering my clients away from them. From my standpoint, I never, ever want to deal with them again. If it weren't for the collective that's completely dysfunctional in Florida, he probably would have been there. That's pretty wild, by the way. Like, that's what I was reading over here to the side uh, when you saw my eyes kind of going like, okay, wow. Um, and that's he, one of the crazier quotes I've ever heard. Uh, and yeah. I mean, I've, I'm having a hard time process just what you said over the last 45 seconds. I mean, this is like one of those quotes that you take a screenshot of in case it gets edited right. or deleted because it's supposed to be off the record. Certainly. And Rashad is a nice prospect, but are we really offering up $11 million for a kid? I mean, that's well, not uh, per year, I guess. Well, right. But, well, I'm yeah. saying, I mean, is that are we talking $10 million for? three to four years of a kid like that. That's uh, I think for quarterbacks. Yeah. I think that's what it'll be. Ooh. Okay. I mean, like they're more, they have better market value than like top MLB prospects. And those guys are getting, you know, 10 million up front and no, no, will know their name for years. I, I don't think like you're going to see other positions. I still think you're going to see, you know, receivers and D linemen going for, you know, like 150 K a year sometimes. Right. Quarterbacks, I think, like if you're a five-star quarterback, you can get a couple million a year. Evidently, you can. I mean, that, uh, that's what. And now go back and find that tweet when I said when I said a million a year for Nico at Tennessee was cheap. Mm-hmm. People yep. gave me a lot of a lot of crap for that, but I, I just I was like, I don't. Why? Why? Like, who do you think is more valuable? Like your OC or a quarterback? If he's good, you know. But there's, better, there's better get that there. eval right. Uh, that that's that's wild. That's wild. But let's uh, let's move on from me having my mind blown as to what the market value is on a quarterback right now. Um. So cool. All right. Uh. Anyway. Uh. 
So Parson's on campus. Parson is was on campus. No interview, no interaction with the media. Uh, one reason why we're recording on Sunday night is because you're headed out to Elite Evan, Elite Eleven. Chris Parson's headed out to Elite Eleven. You'll have a much better job to kind of, or much better ability to kind of evaluate where he is fully. Um, interested in hearing that, and then we'll talk briefly about Brooklyn and where Florida State stands with him, and uh, whether or not Texas A&M may be getting in a little bit more involved with him after the news of, of Rashada committing to Miami. Yeah, I so obviously haven't seen any interviews for, for, from him. Um, I guess we'll see if he'll talk at Elite 11. Pretty much everybody does. It, it would be weird to big-time somebody at Elite 11, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, everybody has their right to talk or or not talk. Um, certainly one of the lower-rated guys out there at Elite 11, but it's still an honor uh, to be – you know, invited and who knows, like maybe he'll go out there and cl- completely ball out. I just, I really want to see him in comparison to other guys, his same age. I think I know what I'm going to see, but I don't want to go in with preconceived notions. I want to just clean slate it. Right. I, w- I want to see Brock Glenn. I want to see Ricky Collins. I want to see like the, how big is the gap between a Brock Glenn and a Rashada or a block or, you know, Brock Glenn and a Nico. Uh, there's, there's a lot of really good QBs going out there this year. FSU is somehow involved with quite a few of them. And, Look, I don't know that a decommitment from Parson is is imminent, but I do know that Jaden Rashada is tweeting out pictures that he took with other recruits on the official visit and saying, hey, like, time for you to pull the trigger too, right? Um, I'm not really seeing that same level of that right now from Parson. But at the same time, are you seeing Emory Williams do that? What happens if Brock Glenn jumps in the boat? Do you think Parson hangs around? I don't know. I guess it kind of depends on who you think is the better prospect. I think it's Brock Lynn, but again, I want to see them in person, side yeah. by side. Which just will. doesn't feel like Parson and Florida State see this through to the finish line, regardless of what other names get involved. Uh, could be wrong, could be right. We'll have to see. I am, uh, yeah, I don't know that I've paid a whole lot of attention to Elite 11 the past couple of years. No disrespect to you, bud. Uh, but with the amount of Florida State prospects out there this year, it'll just be as interesting a camp from uh, from a Florida State perspective as there's been in a, in a while. And Parson uh, has had days just from people that I've talked to uh, that have been on camp circuits and seen him throw at other schools. There's days where it's good and there's days where it's not very good at all. Uh, and so I'm I'm interested to see what he looks like in a atmosphere like that. And as far as like energy, nerves, adrenaline, stuff like that, uh, Elite 11 is a, a decent little showing. I mean, kids know that they're out there with – some of the other better prospects in the country and it's not a game like setting. Uh, but I think we'll get a pretty good feel and I'm eager to uh, hear some of your reactions and we'll try to catch up with you in the middle of next week uh, to get that feedback. But um, they, they feel pretty good by the way. Like I, I sometimes you talk to staffs and like, I, we see these, you know, these reports out there and um, I don't think that they feel like they're trailing Auburn by much at all on Brooklyn. I guess we'll have to see, but yeah. um, you know, it, a lot of that's going to depend on when does Brooklyn want to commit. Right? Have you seen Auburn's schedule, by the way? I think they have a pretty. I think the one that's front loaded in the SEC, or no, theirs is kind of back loaded ish. So they they should start three and one or four and zero. Oh. Depends on if they can beat Penn State at home, right? They got Mercer, San Jose State, host Missouri, uh, host Penn State, and then they're obviously host. LSU and they go to Georgia, which 
I'm pretty sure they'll lose to Georgia. And then they finish at Ole Miss, host Arkansas, at Mississippi State, host A&M, Western Kentucky, which they'll win, uh, and then at Alabama. So if you're Auburn, you kind of need to get those wins early because I'm not really sure they're going to come all that late. Uh, yeah, uh, Brooklyn, they think they're in a good place. We'll see. We'll see what it looks like with that. Uh, Collins, uh, the Ricky Collins, the kid out of Baton Rouge. I try not to talk as informally as that as I realize a lot of y'all aren't recruiting uh, addicts the same way that the Bud and I might be. But Ricky Collins, feel like LSU maybe getting a little bit more involved with him over the past couple weeks, Bud? Yes, it, it seems like it. And I mean, also, it's not like Jeff Brom is a bad guy to play quarterback for. You know, um, you think about this. Much in the same way, going to Texas for Arch Manning doesn't seem like a sure thing program-wise uh, as it would be to go to Georgia or Alabama. But offensively, you can make a pretty good argument that uh, that Alabama or Alabama and Georgia are not quite as a sure thing offensively as Texas is, as long as Sark is there. Uh, as long as Jeff Brom is at Purdue, and he's got a pretty big contract, they're going to have pretty damn good quarterback coaching. He's got a great track record as a QB coach, so... Even though FSU is a better program than Purdue is, uh, FSU doesn't have a lot of uh, perception of stability from the outside right now for obvious reasons, as I've discussed. I mean, I was at the satellite camp and was like, guys, he's not in the hot seat. And the other coach, like, not on FSU staff, but you know, some of the other other guys are like, okay, yeah. Well, it's weird they're not recruiting like like they're on the hot seat, but I mean, they're okay. Yeah. Um, what else do you want to talk about tonight? Let's talk about some of the other official visitors real quickly. Before we do that, we'll thank the legendary team as we are fond of doing. Uh, I don't know if this is official yet, but uh, gotten a couple more emails from Shannon. Uh, looks like they're going to be able to close a deal with longtime Noel Cast supporter Jonathan Brimer. So big thank you to Jonathan. Uh, I know that you were texting the guys over the weekend. Uh, a market that we've acknowledged certainly has changed over the past couple months, uh, but there's there's nobody else you would want to go through this process with. I can assure you, rather than uh, Shannon Young, Bud's done it twice. Uh, just fantastic. Best in class service. Uh, fantastic responsiveness from Shannon. Honestly, he's probably the most responsive professional that I've ever interacted with. And uh, we're so fortunate to work with him. Uh, but I'll let you throw out the number and tell briefly your experience. But a big thank you. Uh, to the legendary team of Chad and Shannon. Yeah, I really couldn't be happier to use the legendary team, right? Like, I know Chad and Shannon for a long time now. We've sent 400 loans, which is insane, and just a, a tremendous group of guys to work with. 844 FSU loan is the number. Great rates, knowledge of the market, professional customer service. And when you call them, you get a little Knowles chat as well. So give them a call, 844 FSU loan. That's the spot to check out, and uh, they're always anxious to help you. So. Let's uh, let's do talk a couple more of these these guys. You want to talk? Uh, you want to talk running backs? What, what what do you want to talk? Yeah, let's talk uh, running backs. So Dalen Smothers is a big, uh, or, or is a is a kid out of North Carolina. Came on an official visit. Uh, if you watch some of the interviews that are available afterwards, it's obvious that uh, that it, it went pretty well. Uh, I mean, he talked about how emotional his mom was at times in in meetings with Michael Morvell. Uh, feeling that it was just a great place for him. There's some other big schools involved. Uh, I don't, you don't want to say that a, a commitment's imminent, but uh, it certainly by outward 
outward appearances, you know, you put your best foot forward in a kid that was uh, pretty high on his visit, undoubtedly. Yeah, North Carolina High School Player of the Year in May of 2021. I believe UNC played spring ball in 21, right? Because that was the following the 20 that didn't happen. There were a couple states up there, and I remember UNC was the most – UNC. I think, I think North Carolina, not UNC, but North Carolina, the state, was the most – was a southernmost school that didn't play a regular schedule because I I think South Carolina did and I remember Virginia had some weird stuff going on if I recall correctly on that so uh, definitely a good player at twenty four seven sports we ha- we have him as, as an eighty eight rating so number thirty one running back in the country uh, somebody else must have him rated really high because uh, on the composite he's the number nine running back in the country and a a, a top two hundred fifty player in the nation, uh, regardless, a, a, a pretty good player and certainly somebody that if you get, you have to feel like you're punching a little bit above your weight class right now, given the existing products that you have on the field, given the lack of new coach smell and, and basically everything that's gone on. Uh, some of your fault, but honestly, a lot, uh, not your fault during their tenure so far in Tallahassee. You know, is he, is he a take at Alabama? I, I don't know. Uh, NC state, Oklahoma, Probably so. I I would guess that's probably more of your competition. But. I think NC State's your competition here, just personally. Uh, can can you beat a team that's doing pretty well in the recruiting trail? Uh, that's got a the in-state school. I think you certainly did. You know all you could and more this weekend. So uh, we'll have to see. But a kid that seems to legitimately enjoy Florida State, and uh, I think you've done as good of a job as you can there. Sam Singleton is the other running back in-state kid, uh, fairly highly regarded when you look at national ranking. Uh, this would be a, you know, this would be a big get as well. If this is something that you can see through, look, if you can, if you can grab a class of, uh, of Smothers and Singleton and call it a day at running back, then hats off to you. Uh, you've got some really nice pieces there, complimentary pieces to work with. Uh, we'll have to see uh, both on campus this weekend. Singleton, I think you did. Uh, I don't know that you have quite the the gushing reviews that you did with Dalen Smothers and his family, but I think you did a really good job with Singleton as well. And uh, I think both of these kids are making a July decision, so we should have a pretty good idea as to what it looks like at running back here in the next three to four weeks. And if you can get at least one, too, I feel like that, that's that's interesting. I, I I think you got a pretty good chance to get Singleton, to be honest, man. Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm not putting a crystal ball yet, but I it wouldn't shock me if I did. Um, last two, I guess, to talk about Avery Stewart, the DB out of Alabama and, uh, also DeMarco Ward, the linebacker out of Georgia. So I know we had some people asking is, is DeMarco Ward a Randy special, uh, in the, the Patreon. So it's a little harsh. Maybe, I don't know. Um, do you want to explain what a Randy special is? Yeah, I, <laughs> uh, Randy makes some some strange observations at times in recruiting and evaluations, and there are some theories that you know you, you, Randy makes a lot of decision based off like geography and past relationships. I'm not, I don't, you know, I don't know if that's true per se. Demarco Ward's a Metro Atlanta kid. I don't, from the people that I've talked to, I wouldn't immediately identify him as a Florida State level linebacker. Uh, that, just my opinion. Get over at Duluth. Uh, decent program. Randy Shannon knows a hell of a lot more about football than I do, but I, I don't, you know, I don't 
I'm a little skeptical on that one. Yeah, I mean, at, at Florida, it, it was kind of reputation for passing on some guys who were highly rated and then offering guys that nobody else seemed to want and then having it not work out. So well, a couple a of them worked out, but that's basically what it came down to. It was like out, out thinking the room type thing. Uh, so, yeah, they started calling him Randy Specials on the Florida message boards. So, yeah. Uh, but it would surprise me if he's in the class. And I, I want to I see the kid in person. Yeah. And, and before I make my, you know, full comments on it. I think he's got some potential. But, like, is he obviously an FSU kid? I don't, I don't think so. Avery Stewart is a uh, kid out of Montgomery. I'll try to f- figure out a little bit more about that recruitment. I don't know a ton of behind-the-scenes stuff, but if you do, please feel free to throw in. Uh, Keldrick Falks, also another really interesting prospect, Alabama-based kid, seems to have a strong relationship with Mike Norvell. Uh yeah, I really I highly just, rated. If you can get this kid, damn. I mean, I'll be impressed. Uh, this would be a hell of a, a hell of a pull. Yeah, uh, normally a kid rated this high is seriously wanted by at least Alabama or Georgia, right? So, be interesting to, to follow how that goes. Uh, but Avery Stewart, though, FSU does want to gather in a lot more length this year at defensive back. Not that they didn't get it last year, but I, I do know that when they first got here. Um, they're really trying to get some guys who could play, you know. And so, so you got Knowles, and not not that Cooper doesn't have length, but Knowles is not like the longest guy. But they would like to get some dudes in who probably have some corner ability, but also could maybe project to safety if you needed them to play there or you know get that versatility. I I think Avery Stewart's pretty good, man. Um, and that's that's somebody who I'm interested to look at his offer. Let's see how it keeps expanding. Now he is going to announce on July 6th for his profile. The other guy that's offered him is Mark Stoops, who does seem to know a thing or two about defensive back recruiting. Although at Kentucky, uh, they have not had a whole lot of guys go pro at defensive back, which has been weird. He's, he's had a lot more guys on the on the lines of scrimmage go pro at Kentucky, which is kind of funky given his reputation as being a good defensive back evaluator. But it's also a good reminder that uh, year-to-year recruiting is is a very small sample set when you get as, as micro as – position by position and, and draft picks uh, from there. And Stoops has also been recruiting the state of Ohio and the Midwest a lot more, which doesn't necessarily have quite as many good defensive backs compared to when he was at Miami or when he was at Florida State. So, yeah, um, that wouldn't be a bad get, I don't think, man. Um, one guy who I like better than Avery Stewart is Jakeem Jackson. And uh, FSU did not make his top five. So I think they fumbled fumbled that a little bit as far as not being on him earlier. That's a kid I've talked about for what over a year on the pod. Like I guess you can't win them all. You you you'd think you'd like to not be behind other programs for a kid out of Kissimmee. You know, it's not like you're like losing to like like Bama on him. You can't win them all. That is a that is funny, bud. Um see um Hmm. Pittman, uh, while we're just in a little bit of a sour mood here, real quickly acknowledge the decommitment of of Pittman. uh, Tied in, nice prospect, not something that is irreplaceable per se, but, uh, you know, not necessarily what you want to see. Obviously, the the Kearney news has got us uh, in a better mood. And, uh, again, I'm not going to get too worried about a a tight end uh, 
decommitting, but uh, we at least should acknowledge that being that it's occurred since we last recorded. Dude, Link Jarrett. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, great. Oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not into the Pittman thing, man. Like, yeah. whatever. Like, it, it is what it is. I'm not going to get all bent out of shape out of, you know, short tight ends. Unless they're Nick O'Leary. Like, come on, I'm just – it is what it is. I'm like, could he be a good college player? Yeah. If he recommits, am I going to be overly excited? No. I actually think it could have been useful. You know, like I think it's possible that it could have been useful. It's um, – he didn't really stand out at elite camp, to be honest. And it wasn't like elite camp was super elite, elite this year. Uh, but I, his film is good at times. So, yeah, I don't think they're they're losing a whole lot of sweat over that one. Like the dr- the drama relative to the the player ability, I'm not sure that matches up. Good enough for me. Yeah, man. Link hired. Uh, let's talk about it. Fantastic news for the baseball program. And uh, obviously there's there's a segment of this fan base that really loves that program and emotionally invested in it. And I'm happy for them to be able to have some legitimate excitement. I mean, you went out and you got one of the uh, uh, the reigning coach of the year and one of the you know five hottest prospects in the in the sport at the college level. Uh, when it comes to the the hire that was made. So a uh, massive, strong move for Mike Alford, both in being able to make the decision to move on and ultimately be able to land uh, probably the best candidate in the country for this job. And it certainly helps that his background and his, uh, you know, his family and his wife's family are based out of Tallahassee. And he really is, you know, coming home, a term that's used to far too overused. Uh, when it comes to coaches and uh, where they land, but I couldn't couldn't be happier for my my baseball fans and uh, interested to see what it means for the program over the next five years or so. I'm very excited about this. I, I obviously look, look, we don't talk a whole lot of college baseball. College baseball is I don't know if you're not local, it doesn't have like a crazy following for the most part. Like, we, we we talk it a couple months a year. And even then, it's 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 kind of sparingly, right? It, it's something ESPN puts on TV on their regular you know, network as opposed to the SEC or SEC network for about what three weeks a year, maybe, and then and then it's gone. We try to, to fit this show to what people care about. The number one sport is football. The number two sport is football recruiting. The number three sport is probably spring football. The number four sport is maybe basketball, sometimes sometimes baseball. The number five sport is probably ending the podcast early. So as far as like what impacts ratings on, on shows about FSU, but I do think this is a really nice thing for Mike Alford to get done. Uh, I think that he made a, a move that a lot of people in the building thought had to be made, just given the dissatisfaction of some of the players, the anticipated transfer of those players. And so, yes, it was a, uh, you call it ballsy move, I guess, to, to go ahead and, and, and cut meat loose. But you had to follow that up. And I think they had three guys uh, who they were in on. But it was really like Link was by far number one. And then here's two other dudes in in, in Bakich and, and, and uh, Pedro who would have made sense if you missed on Link. But missing on Link, I do think would have been a, a bit of a bad look, given that you did go ahead and, and get rid of meat when you did. Because 
outside of the program, I'm not really sure how many people would have fully understood why you moved on so quickly from meat inside. Certainly a lot of people there think it would, it would make sense. Um, do you think we can extract much of this? I guess. I mean, with, we've talked football. Yeah. We've talked in the past about the fact that it's the kind of economies of scale, if you will, are so different when you talk about sport to sport. I mean, you offered, you're given an assistant pool of like $460,000 or something like that for two assistants and you're paying link 875k or whatever. Now I I think that's what you offer him a eight year deal or something like that. And I may be yeah. off by ten thousand dollars or something, but you're you're in the mid eight hundreds. Um, that's you know that's awesome. Uh, you're doubling what you're paying your coach. I'm happy to hear about that. It's, I just don't know that you can extrapolate a whole lot of it when it comes to football. Um, now. Can you extrapolate what it means for for like Mike Alford and his decisiveness and moving on? Yeah, I'm hesitant to even go there. You know, I, I really am. I, I think it's so different, uh, both from a, a money spend and and we talked about this last week. There's not a link in football. You know, there's not somebody who's who's obviously from Tallahassee and whose wife is from. I don't know that you've got this play that uh, that is out there. Now, I think there's some position coaches out there that. Uh, that fit that a little bit more, but there's, there's nobody that I can find on the radar that would be kind of a similar comparison. Uh, so I'm hesitant to extrapolate a whole lot from this. I, I do think it's clear that you've got an athletic director that feels empowered, wants to go out, be decisive, make sharp uh, moves. If Mike has some kind of, uh, like I said last time, five and seven, I'd be real concerned uh, if I was, was Mike Norvell. Otherwise I, I don't really see, you making a change and and as you state, maybe you've you've even got to be closer to four and eight or or three and nine or something like that to really have him be on the hot seat this year. Hopefully that's nothing that we're talking about. Uh, but it's real clear that you got a real, you know, big boy AD for the first time in a long time and thrilled for the baseball contingent of this fan base to be able to celebrate having one of the rising stars in the game. No doubt about it, man. I, I'm I'm excited to watch this, this unfold and you know, like, look, if you're going to spend this kind of money on a baseball coach, maybe you're going to spend this kind of money on baseball stadium, baseball facilities, make it a destination. You know, ha have it something that you're excited. To, like, not that Hauser isn't cool to go to, but it's it doesn't match the experience of the other top stadiums in the country, right? It, most of the SEC parks that have been redone, and a couple within the ACC as well, are, are, are clearly better uh, than what you have at Hauser right now. I think it would make sense to to make baseball a uh, you know one of the priorities if you can. But I also think that what's going to happen with baseball is that in the next couple of years, I think you're going to have full scholarships in baseball. I think if Florida State's serious about baseball, that uh, Madison Social is in either the left field or right field corner within the next ten years. That's what I think. I, I think you build a a miniature version of what the brave stadium looks like uh, as far as the battery and some of those things that are around it and that you're building a new stadium in what are currently the IM fields. That makes sense. Uh, what if you, what if you could build like, I mean, you have the, you have the, the patio right now, right. With, with, with the you know, garage um, retractable right now. What if you build it up where you had like a green monster style thing where like you would hit home runs in the Madso? <laughs> that would be wild, dude. Imagine that. 
that would be wild. That would be incredible and fun and uh, something to uh, something to look for. Oh, speaking of Matt, so uh, Matt Thompson called me and said uh, that he would one immediately bring back the grilled cheese sliders if that Jacksonville quarterback requested. Uh, but actually that those went back on the menu uh, a week ago as well. Oh, did they? Uh, okay. Yeah, unrelated. But uh, he said, we're talking big time quarterbacks. I'll bring anything back. But uh, uh, <laughs> it might be an inducement, by the way. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. If I think the NCAA offering, might have some greater things yeah, to investigate. It, I was going to say, even if, what we read if, tonight. If we're offering grilled cheese sliders and other people are openly tweeting about pay to play, uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to see how this works out. So. Oh, now we got the uh, the lawyers of the Gator Collective clapping back about this, saying they never never uh, offered eleven million or even one million or even one dollar uh, to to Rashada. Um, that's yeah. that's incredible, man. I'm still I'm still trying to wrap my head around the, it's a, some of the quotes that you threw out there tonight. It's that's a little wild. wild, but like it's clearly all right. In my opinion, here, if you're saying this stuff, you clearly want to be the guy or one of the guys with your name on the suit against the NCAA. Mm. If they try, if they try to make you do something about this. True. True. I, I would think. We'll thank our friends at congruity uh, for making the show possible. It was one of our lead sponsors. Uh, just a fantastic team for us. Fantastic uh, feedback from all the people that they've worked with. Uh, as we're fond of saying, spend 10 minutes with Matt Lewis. Five of it could be talking ball. Five of it can be if uh, exploring whether or not there's a partnership that's going to be beneficial, as there has been for, I believe, eight different NOLCAST listeners at this point, uh, one of which is the the company that I work for. Uh, Matt and his team have been great for, for our little uh, humble LLC, and we think they'd be great for your business regardless of the size. So give them a call. Uh, as I am say frequently, if you want a third-party introduction, as I've done for uh, many of the other people that have ended up working with Matt, I'm happy to do so. Or you can go to congruityhr.com to find out more about the services that they offer. Do you want to do the uh, the um, listener questions? I, I think the one question that we had uh, held over is particularly uh, you know prom- or apt uh, for tonight, and it's about uh, NIL collectives and what could be on the board as far as uh, people try to work around some of the existing framework. Uh, so Morgan writes, do you think wealthier NIL collectives will get clever with non-qualifying high school athletes and develop training programs uh, such as clubs or quasi minor league NCA programs? Example, blue chick prospect can't qualify out of high school, but got a small NIL offer from a collective aligned with his preferred school. He goes to uh, community college next to state. U, trains with a private strength and conditioning coach or some club team, that happens to be a strength and conditioning coach at State U. Blue chip prospect stays local, incentivized, in shape, and qualified to come in a year later. Amateur status uh, all intact. And uh, more familiar with the lay of lay at the land in State U's town than if he had been uh, take if he had taken the traditional route of a junior college in Mississippi or Kansas. And if blue chip doesn't work hard enough or develop as hoped, well, nominal investment. I'm sorry that it didn't work out. Um yeah, it's an interesting idea. I mean, there's only so many places like this where there's a another school in town that a prospect could be monitored or something else. But certainly there's relationships there. And historically, kids that haven't qualified uh, at times have landed in places that 
you know, the staff that they ultimately wanted to sign with had an existing relationship. But I, I think the broader question here, Morgan, is it'll be fascinating to see what some of these wealthier NIL collectives will do just to stretch any of this. I mean, do you go back to the days to where, you know, Bear Bryant was uh, signing 25 track and field kids to try to play football? Now, there's some rules that could stop that, but um, I, w- I don't know how you could stop say uh, Alabama or something like that, signing another 15 kids under the preferred walk-on status and then putting them into an NIL collective or something like that where their you know tuition gets taken care of, et cetera. I've, I'm fascinated to see how schools try to stretch this limit, um, broaden the numbers that they have to work with, and whether or not uh, with NIL, if there's really anything the NCAA can ultimately do about it. So I, I have a couple – Thoughts on this. Number one, I think you hit the right point as far as what's the actual advantage of doing this. There are some downsides to doing this, though, potentially, which before we even get the feasibility or would would, would they actually do this? Let's say you did this. Um, so you go to a community college. We're assuming they're not actually playing ball, right? So their academic clock is you know, their, their, excuse me, their eligibility clock is not actually starting. Correct. We're just saying they're still working out. Um, yeah, I think that's what they were trying to say when they said uh, amateur status is still intact. Uh, but the, basically their clock hadn't started and that just because they had worked with a strength and conditioning coach, et cetera. Okay, the number one reason why this would not work is actually twofold. And I, I can't, it's not that it can't work. I just don't think it would become a widespread thing uh, without it having to be extremely organized. So coaches do not like the idea of their guys not playing okay like i know you would think oh i'm sure they wish they would just sit out the rest of their high school season so they don't get hurt that's not true they want their players to play they want them playing football they want them practicing football even more importantly than actually playing the games uh, that's why a lot of guys do redshirt in juco but they're still playing every day in practice I think it's beneficial for them to do so. And a lot of guys, by the way, are very competitive. So they're going to want to go and get better at junior college and say, hey, like I'm going to get even better offers if I go and show out. And as opposed to here where I'm locking myself in, I am very close. It Maybe if you could probably do this on a very, very small scale with a couple fringe guys. But ultimately, I don't think this would work too well. It does remind me of some of the, uh, well, a couple of things. Number one, some of the programs that baseball, particularly the Kansas City Royals, ran back in the 80s. Uh, if you look at, here, I'm going to see if I can find this. Kansas City Baseball, Kansas City baseball Academy, right? Uh, this is a historic thing. Is that, is that what it's called? Yeah, the Kansas City Royals Baseball Academy. Um, uh, part of the player development system of the Royals, actually early 70s, so I'm off by about a decade here. Discontinued in 1974. Uh, innovation conceived by Ewing Kaufman. That was the, uh, he's the guy who the stadium, Kaufman Stadium, is named after. Uh, he was looking to take guys who were athletic from other sports but didn't play baseball and see if he could turn them into uh to baseball players. Now, a couple of these guys ended up being pretty damn good. Uh, Ron Washington, who played for quite a while, ended up being the manager of the Texas Rangers, by the way. And I think uh, he's probably a third base coach somewhere now. 
the uh, reigning World Series champions. Correct. Uh, wait, he, he's on the Braves? Yep. Yep. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah. Uh, UL Washington as well. And then uh, Frank White, uh, who ends up being a politician after his pro baseball career. He was 18 years with the uh, with the Royals. So very like developmental style thing, but I think people would catch wind of this, right? It's like, wait, where's this kid go? Coaches would talk. Junior college coaches certainly they call they, they call those signing day rosters. Like, wait a second, who didn't sign and why? Let's reach out to them and figure it out. So you're just going to Tallahassee Community College, eh? Okay. Yeah, it it would have to be like a once in a, every three years thing or something like that. I mean, yeah. You know, but kids do legitimately fall off the radar, and yeah, I mean, crazy stuff does happen. Uh, it's an interesting question, Morgan. Like I said, uh, we're you know we're all front and center for a world that uh, NIL may make anything possible. Who knows uh, what the hell some of these schools are going to try to do to find a competitive advantage somewhere? Um, but I really appreciate the question, the support, the Nolcast. Uh, if you're interested in becoming a Patreon, patreon.com backslash Nolcast if you uh, wish to support the show further. And a big thanks uh, to all of you that do. Let's save the restarting the clock question because I, I want a little more context on it. But I, Kelly, I, I appreciate the question that you sent in. and We, we will get that uh, next episode because I, yeah. I think that could be an interesting discussion. But I don't want to go down that road without like laying out some context for it. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be something that we just throw at like a little flippantly at the end of an episode, I would say. Uh, awesome, man. Uh, unless you've got anything else, I think that'll be it for uh, this Nolcast. What, what do you guys have coming up on cover three this week? So we have uh, Monday, we are doing um, player trades. If you could trade this player for that player, um, I find it's a useful uh, editorial device to highlight strength, or strength and weaknesses of rosters and then open up for discussion like that. Interesting. Um, I interviewed on the podcast that I started doing a couple weeks ago, interviewed a college friend of mine that uh, was two years older than I, by the name of Brad Israel from Mobile, uh, graduated from the college that I went to Hampton, Sydney, joined the army, became an army ranger, ultimately earned the green beret, served three platoons in Afghanistan. It was really interesting to hear, uh, kind of his story and, uh, why he decided to do that. So if you have an interest in either of those two things, whether it be Bud's national show or my show, we'll have links in the show description. And uh, thank you so much for listening to Nolcast. If you have an opportunity to leave us a review, five stars on Apple pods or Spotify or wherever else, know that it's uh, greatly appreciated. And one of the reasons that we've been able to do the show for as long as we have. So thank you very much. Uh, Gold Nils, great pickup in Rod Kearney. We'll be back to talk to you with Bud out in California for Elite 11. See you guys.